Uh, my name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be your daddy. And this is Burn Daddies. Burn Daddies. (laughs) This is Burn Daddies, a podcast about Burn Notice where we uh, discuss how everyone would be as a daddy. Burn Daddies sounds like, I I, I actually think I'm thinking of a specific Cajun restaurant in Dallas, and I think it's called Bone Daddies. And so... (laughs) um, and so that's what I think of when you say burn daddies. It sounds like a place where I can get spicy Cajun food. And even though the obvious answer to who would be the best burn daddy is Bruce Campbell, because he has sort of burn daddy energy, I yeah. honestly think Fiona would be the best daddy of the group. I mean, I can see that. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> anyway. This and is... that's the end of the podcast. That's Thanks it. for listening, everybody. It's a short one this week. <laughs> um, we've heard you clamoring for less. <laughs> And, and so we're going to take it easy this week. Yeah. Anyway, but this is Burn Common Noticed. Um, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Noticed, about... No, I said Burn Noticed. Mm-hmm, you sure did. Uh, Burn Notice, a show about a spy, a spy, <laughs> named Michael Weston. Such a bang-up job. Such a bang-up job. Honestly, Everyone we're, is... we're literally 10 episodes into this podcast, and like it feels like you've been doing this for 10 years, Chris. That was so professional and smooth. <laughs> it feels like I've been doing this for so long that I've already given up. <laughs> I'm already tired and coasting. Yeah, well, what else is new? Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode of Burn Noticed on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, which we may need to rethink at the end of this season, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end when we explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind. Such as calling this epi- this podcast not a great episode of a podcast. I consider that cyberbullying. Let's not. We can't do this. <laughs> we cannot do this. We have to have a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> no, I'm calling it now cyberbullying. It's too early. Like, the only way that this can work, the only way a relationship works, is if you ignore everything that the two people say about each other. That's how relationships work. Um, hey, Chris? Yes? Are you currently in a relationship? No. <laughs> you want to read I, the rest of your copy? <laughs> I'm in a relationship with this podcast. And my left hand. That's right. Not my right hand. I am right-handed, but I honestly prefer the left one. A little weaker, but you know we try as hard. Exactly. You can you can send us <laughs> daddy energy. You can send us questions, <laughs> suggestions, compliments, and no criticism about that <laughs> because it was perfect and it's exactly what this podcast vehicle was built for. Exactly at burn noticed podcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burn noticed pod. Holy shit. You did that so good. So that was the first time you've ever read that section of the copy with any amount of competence. Yep. So this episode false flag. We can't talk about it yet because I found out something off mic that I didn't want to tell you until we started recording, but I cannot wait any longer. All right. Fuck this episode. What did you learn? I so. What have you unearthed? Is it about this episode? Uh, not about this episode. It's about right. burn notice in general. So Chris and I have been talking since we're we're getting to about the, burn notice. Yeah, it's the only thing we talk about. We don't have a relationship outside no, of this podcast. 
I mean, can you can you imagine us like having a normal non burn notice related conversation? Disgusting. No. I we only talk when the mic is recording. Mm-hmm. I walk into Bree's apartment. I nod. I use her bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> And we turn on the mic, and I start talking. Yeah, well, I mean, how else could we manufacture this magic? Otherwise, we might waste it. Exactly. But anyway, so Chris and I have been talking because obviously... Like Onan (laughs) spilling our seed. We got so nasty so quick this week, and I think it's my fault. It's always your fault. Oh, I earned that. Um, anyway, so we have been talking because we're almost at the end of season one of Burn Noticed. And of course, we're going to continue. But we also wanted to kind of give ourselves a break in between the seasons just mm-hmm. to like, you know, set ourselves up for success in the future where we might need a longer break in between seasons. Yeah. Uh, and also like trying to come up with like fun, like bonus I- episode ideas. So if anyone listening... Um, has a good like bonus episode idea for us to do in between seasons, something a little bit lower key, probably, you know, less time. Yeah. Uh, if you have a good idea, please let us know. We would love to hear your ideas. But anyway, so I've just been like researching like burn notice trivia, just like trying to come up with like a fun sort of yeah. between season supplemental content thing. And I came across uh, a very value valid source, uh, undercovercharacters.blogspot.com. However, the thing Under- the okay. thing that this blogspot has revealed to me is Wait, that what is this? What is it? I have no idea. I just found undercover it undercovercharacters.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, did you know that Burn Notice was based on a true story? Go on. Uh uh, Michael Wilson, who now works as a consulting producer, but who the cast and crew have never met, was a former CIA operative who lived through being burned. He approached series creator Matt Nix about a series based on his life, and voila, Burn Notice was born. Michael Wilson. I mean, former I Burn remember Spy. seeing Michael Wilson's name, and then we talked about that, I believe. Did we? Or maybe we didn't. We did not. I think some... You're right. I do believe someone else did. <laughs> but yeah, apparently there's a real boring-ass Michael Weston out there in the world. Oh. If any of you guys know him... <laughs> I don't care. I only want to talk to Jeffrey Donovan. Jeffrey Donovan or bust. Fuck you, Michael Wilson. Uh, we, we don't want to do that. He knows spy tips. Not based on what we've learned. So that, anyways, uh, apparently you vaguely knew that already, but I was very excited to hear the well, burn Well, I didn't know that he was definitely a spy. I knew that they had an, a, I knew that they had a consultant named Michael Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that on another podcast. You uh, were listening to another podcast? I listened to an upwards of three podcasts. That's so many. When do you have time... I do things sleep. like like go to the soda shop. I you know it's amazing. Yeah, you can listen to a podcast at the soda shop. That seems rude. It's incredibly rude. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm not at the soda shop to speak to people. No, yeah, I'm there to drink my soda and listen to my podcasts. <laughs> oh, all right. So you want to talk about this episode now? Now that I've derailed this long enough. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. I thought about talking about the fact that I do listen to podcasts at restaurants all the time. And Me too. Think, and think that it's possibly rude, but I also don't care. Now that I have AirPods, I've gotten infinitely ruder because I can leave, like, if I need to, like, go out to the counter for something, I don't have to unplug my, my air, uh, earbuds. I can just You don't have listen- to unplug your earbuds? Exactly. I can just continue listening to whatever I was doing from, like, across the, like, cafe or restaurant. Okay, but and I only does stop- that mean that you are leaving your phone at the table? I always do, yeah. And my laptop. I... 
I would feel so uncomfortable with that. When I'm a regular at a place, I'm even more secure. Mm-hmm. But also, it's a co- it's a coffee shop. There's one fucking room. I can see it the whole time. I always take my phone. I leave my bag because there's usually nothing of import in my bag. Sure. But I always take my phone. I mean, my phone has so much garbage on it. Like it's got a, one of those fucking pop things and like yeah. stickers, and it's like it's a sh- and it's also it's a shit phone. If somebody wants to take my phone, honestly, please do. I can't afford a new one, but I also hate the current one. So you know. All right. Do what you um, want. So, listeners, steal Bree's phone. Yeah, do it. It's cowards. so easy. She leaves it laying around all the time. Mm-hmm. At the coffee shop PLG. Exactly. In uh, Prospect Leopard's Gardens. Exactly. There you are. Stake it out. Uh, you know what she looks like. We've mm-hmm. tweeted it. We sure have. Anyway, this episode is called False Flag, and it premiered on uh, September 13th. Uh, 2007. I like that it, I said that it premiered. Mm-hmm. Like, it was going for a long run, but it first came out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, septem- I'm sure it's been. Yeah. It's been rerun. It's been running for years in rep. <laughs> uh, it premiered uh, September 13th, 2007. It was written by Big Daddy Nix himself and Ben Watkins, who went on to create a show where Ron Perlman plays a corrupt judge who thinks God wants him to be a vigilante. So that's what, what show is that? It's called, I believe, Hand of God. Uh, I think he created it for Amazon. It seems to have lasted twenty episodes because everyone on everyone on IMDb is credited for twenty episodes. Um, yeah, and that's like basically all this other guy has done. He has like four credits. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, so Ben Watkins and Big Daddy Nicks. Um, it was directed by Paul Shapiro, who went on to direct a movie called Deadly Honeymoon and an episode of a show called Supa Ninjas. That's S-U-P-A-H, Supa Ninjas. And that's just a taste of his credits on IMDb. It is one of the wackier IMDb's I have seen. Supa Ninjas? I wonder if that's... If somebody does a podcast where they answer questions that we ask in our podcast this would be a question that i would pose to them which is is super ninjas the show that ben blacker works on life is life works in mysterious ways it does let's talk about the plot of this episode yeah we're gonna um uh, oh actually but the i should explain the premise uh according to imdb uh, the premise is michael plans to leave miami but has to do one last job locate a woman's missing son uh so he can get a new identity all right, and so we start up. Michael and Fee are walking down a Miami sidewalk on the way to the fake identity store. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one in Miami. No, I think they said that there are multiples. Eventually, we learn that there are a couple others, but they're all being staked out. Yeah. They do mention more than one fake identity shop. I will give them this. However, as we know, there is only one foil embossing place. So much harder than faking an identity. It's so much harder. Um, I mean... You gotta emboss foil, Chris. Exactly. Do you have any concept of how complicated that is? I, you know, I don't. I really don't. Is that like, do you have to be bossy to the foil? Uh, no, you have to let the foil be bossy to you. It needs to be fa- feel powerful oh, so it looks nice on the page. It's embossed. Yeah. I gotcha. That makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, they're walking. Uh, Fiona's talking about her shoes. Yeah, like, they're, oh, like, they're also shopping. Like, basically, they've gone out for a day of shopping, and inc- Fiona wants clothes, and Michael wants a new identity. Exactly. That's them. <laughs> um, I love, at one point, Michael's like, are those shoes real? And it's like, she's... <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, such a weird question to it's, ask. Who cares? It's simultaneously, like, too feminine a question and too masculine a question. 
Well, and it's also a dumb question. Are those shoes fake? No, they're shoes. Look at them. Well, they're like, right here, dumbass. Well, you, I, mean, I you know, know what, what he means, means. but still. Uh, it's, but it's weird that Michael would care. Yeah, it's extremely weird that he would care. But also, kind of does make sense that he would care. I do buy it. I do buy that he would be like really into like fashion. <laughs> I, like secretly, well, like he, he was wearing an Armani suit last episode. He was. Uh, doesn't he look good? Ah. <sighs> Um, so he shows up at this place that looks just like a check cashing place. Um, mm-hmm. and sort of. But he goes alone because Fiona sees a dress she likes. Exactly, yeah. So it's... Fiona's not with him anymore. This is important. This is important. Yeah. Uh, he is temporarily separated from Fiona and he goes into the store. There's this kind of like older kind of Southern guy. I don't know why. Well, I guess there's, Florida is technically the South. Yeah, I was so... going to say, Florida is. Is uh, the South. The South. Michael talks to this guy and says, hey, I need an ID. And sort of like explains like no i'm like a spy person mm-hmm. yeah they, they speak covertly but the yes. implication is i need an identification card yeah it's not perhaps the one i would get at a different store exactly <laughs> um and so he takes michael round back and he then uh pulls a gun on michael and makes michael put on handcuffs and then pulls out a wanted poster basically with his face on it and like holds it up to him and he's like is this you and michael's like an inch away from the page and he's like it's i don't know it's kind of hard to see from this distance which is yeah. a very funny line because it doesn't make any sense but it's also so shitty just like uh, this shitty idiot he really feels what with the wanted poster and everything like he's from a like western a, i was just gonna say the old west he feels like an a western character mm-hmm. he feels like not deadwood but like a shitty one um, but he's like, uh, he pulls like a gun on him and it's like, I want a reward for you. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then Fiona comes in and then basically like pretends to be his girlfriend. Um, and just like acts like a helpless, confused woman. Yeah. To just like throw the guy off long enough for, you to know, throw him off. Yeah. so that she can hit him with her fake shoe but, but like, and, and Michael can run away. But like Michael... Catches him off guard by shouting, she's pregnant. <laughs> Which the, is amazing. And the guy's like, what? And then Fiona like whaps him with one of her giant orange shoes. Oh, it kind of reminds, not to talk about better podcasts. <laughs> um, but there's a real great episode of Comedy Bang Bang. We're on, I'm forgetting that comedian too. She's really funny. Um, comes in with a character that she's prepared that no one knows what the character is. They only have the name. The character's name is Janice Cramps. And Scott Ackerman does this long intro about her, despite knowing nothing. And she immediately says, hi, I'm pregnant. And then everyone, like, <laughs> dies. It's amazing. And I, I'm blanking on the comedian's name. She's very funny. Um, Apparently but, not that funny. I remember the character's <laughs> name. The character was great. Um, that's great. Other great things about this scene, there's a bit early on in the scene where um, our, our southerny, westerny, fake ID guy is explaining how he doesn't get spies anymore. Like, he mostly just uh, gets teenagers who want fake IDs so they can get into some titty bar. (laughs) And then Jeffrey Donovan just, like, repeats the word titty bar and chuckles to himself. He's like, you said titty bar. (laughs) Like, I don't know what the idea is, if he's humoring the guy, or just Jeffrey Donovan just laughing at the phrase titty bar, but he seems genuinely tickled by it. Oh. Tickled by titties. Tickled by titties. And then, yeah, so 
Fiona saves him, and they escape. The whole scene is really messy. Yeah, it's, it's not a great cold open. It's so weirdly paced. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, before this scene, I also wanted to mention... A before weir- this scene, which is the scene that is the cold open? Yeah, well, in the sort of transition between... like, Actually, I think it's the very opening of the episode. You know how like every episode of Burn Notice opens, and there's just like random music playing? Mm-hmm. And we're like... B, like b-roll yeah like for some reason i got very obsessed with this song that was playing mostly because it, there's this woman singing in english and spanish and she sings in english i want to be your homie girl which feels like very not straight <laughs> and i was like wait what is like are we playing like this very like lesbian friendly song in this episode of burn notice and like and i think i just didn't want to watch this episode of burn notice and so, like, I was, like, really not wanting to start it. So I just spent, like, ten minutes trying to figure out what this song was. And did you find out? I think they must have written it for the show because, like, I could not find anything about it anywhere. Did you and try to Shazam it? I tried to Shazam it and nothing. <laughs> I think they made this music for the show. And I'm still trying to figure out if it's gay or not. I mean, Lucy Lawless is in this episode. So That's true. It's definitely we gay. haven't mentioned that yet. It's a that song. is the main draw of this episode. <laughs> and we'll, we will get to her in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the cold open ends and it's like, all right, that happened. Yeah. Oh, but Fiona lost one of her shoes because she threw it at the guy and yeah. she couldn't go back to get it. She tries. She couldn't get it. She couldn't get it back. Anyway, so Michael and Fee return to Michael's place where Fee talks about uh, coming along with Michael's upcoming trip to D.C. Because Michael is going to D.C. Uh, to find Philip Cowan because... Philip Cowan had sent someone to kill him. So we are coming off from last... Uh, well, it was last week or was it the week before? I think it might have been the week before. I don't remember. The, uh, an assassin recently came to... Uh, uh, who was not Jan. An assassin who was not Jan yeah. tried to kill Michael. That's right. No, that was two weeks ago. Philip Cowan tried to have him killed. So he wants to go to DC and find him and talk and hash all this out. Sure. Um, but as Fiona and everyone in this episode will remind him, he is supposed to stay in Miami. Like, people keep repeating the stakes over and over again. Every single character. People are stopping him on the street like, you can't leave Miami. <laughs> Until you get this great deal. Yes. Come on inside. Uh, I love it like, like it's a carnival barker. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Step kind of right it. up. Step right up. You, sir, you can't leave Miami until you see the three foot tall man. He's a man, but he's three foot tall. <laughs> and... And Fiona really wants to go with. Because she always does, because she has no identity outside of Michael Weston. Exactly. But Michael's like, no, you can't go. This is my thing. I got to go to D.C. Um, Oh, also, he's still in handcuffs. Yeah. He's still in handcuffs from the previous scene. And so uh, Fiona pulls out a bobby pin and uses that to pick the lock. And then Michael steals the bobby pin. Mm -hmm. And that is it. So then Michael asks Sam if he knows anyone who could get him a new identity. Um, Sam suggests that Lucy from the pilot remember Lucy who was sort of set up as like maybe a love interest and then who never ever shows up again until this episode and then never shows up again the remainder of the show (laughs) exactly Lucy who has no business being in this episode none at all it's also they should have done it with Barry like at least Barry is an established character who does stuff like this the theme of this episode is Michael being like soft but also kind of condescending with women. Yeah. And so it's oh, like, yeah. It's a super, like, um, you know, man on a white horse. Like, white yeah, knighty. White knighty. Kind of, it's yeah, a very white knighty episode. Um, which, to its credit, it subverts a little. Only, But only with one character. Only with one. But 
also the most important character. But, sure. But generally, yes, no, it's a very white knighty episode. So Lucy, who, if you'll remember, From is the pilot. a is she works. What does she do? In this episode, it's explained that she is a security expert um, because one of the spy over... It's not even a tip, really, but, like, explains that uh, governments have spies, but corporations have also have spies, but they're security consultants. Got it, yeah, because uh, the only thing that we know about her from the pilot is that Michael trained her when she was yes. becoming a spy, and then she left the company to, I guess, do this thing. Exactly. She is now a corporate spy, basically. Sure. Um, but Sam is like, hey, Lucy could set you up with a good fake ID. She's got fake ID people, uh, not just old West men. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does have a job. So like, this could be good leverage, but also Sam is also saying, but you shouldn't leave Miami. They told you to stay in Miami. The carnival barker told me that he already told you, but yeah. you're still thinking about it. So he asked exactly. me to come talk to you. This baby in a carriage is telling you you got to stay in Miami. <laughs> His first words were, Michael Weston mustn't leave Miami. <laughs> His eyes glazed over. <laughs> All right. So they go and find Lucy. And Lucy explains that the case is this woman named Evelyn who... Evelyn? Evelyn. It's Evelyn. Evelyn? I that's, like saying Evelyn. That's never how a human being said that name That's ever. how... I think it's because that's how British people say Evelyn. And I feel like I've... No. Heard more. British people say Evelyn. I know I've heard at least one British Evelyn. I don't prove know it. I can prove it later. I don't believe you. I can't. It would require me to like find and play audio or something, and that's this not. This is thing. an audio medium. I could, but we'd have to find it. It's a lot of work. I want to this do it. This woman's name is Evelyn. The woman's name is Evelyn. <laughs> uh, but she's evil. Spoilers. Spoilers. But yeah, so there's this woman named Evelyn, and uh, her ex ran off with her son, and so get the son back, basically, mm-hmm. is the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Lucy has for some reason. Yeah. Uh, well, she explains that, like, I think she kind of, the woman got in touch with her, said the police couldn't do anything because the police can't do anything ever, mm-hmm. and but it's too small fry for Lucy's company. So she thought, oh, Michael, you do small fries. And... And Michael agrees to do it if you can get some fake ID stuff from Lucy. And Lucy's like, I don't know if I want to do it. And then Michael, like, gets on his knees and, like, begs. But, like, in somehow the most condescending way possible. Well, if you'll remember, the last time that we saw him with Lucy, he he put his, his like, limp wrists up to his face and pants like a dog. That's to right. beg. So apparently the way that Michael acts around Lucy is like he loses his fucking mind and begs her for things in like some sort of character. It's like weird, but it's also like, is it supposed to be sexy? Everything Michael Weston does is sexy. <laughs> That's fair. But like... Come on, Chris. Go on, son. It's weird. They do... He has a different dynamic with her than anyone else I've ever seen. It's very, very bizarre. It is. But also, I kind of appreciate that. Because you know how, like, you have a friend, but then, like, you stop seeing that friend, and then you move on, you, like, hang out with other people and kind of develop a new identity around those people, but then you see your old friend again, and then you kind of slip into that old weird pattern, and it doesn't really feel like yourself anymore, Uh, but you do it with them. That's Mm -hmm. what this feels like. That actually feels kind of lived in. Like, oh, I used to be a puppy for her. It just, it always, anytime I used to get on all fours for her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I used to drink brings, water out of a bowl for that, her. That brings me to another point that I'm kind of glad that Lucy doesn't come back because, like, 
because the first way we're introduced to her as like his former student and because she's obviously much younger than him, yeah. it I don't love the flirting. No, it, it makes feels, me very uncomfortable. It feels weird. They don't feel like equals. It feels like vaguely like mentorship predatory. I yeah. don't love it. No, it doesn't. And like so not great help, gender politics. It doesn't help episode. that like the actress who plays Lucy, who's good, but just has like an almost kind of ingenue quality mm-hmm. that doesn't like sell for but i think that's what they were going for because it's clearly she was sort of set up in the pilot to be someone who was going to stick around otherwise why would she have been in the pilot yeah uh but then they drop it because gabrielle anwar is just like fantastic exactly also matt nick can't can't write more than one female character exactly (laughs) that wouldn't work that would be like you saying his name correctly after this episode he does not deserve it anyway so we meet evelyn i kind of i feel my Whole body wanting to say Evelyn. It's an insane thing to say because no one pronounces it that way. No um, human being on this planet. Uh, if only someone would fact check that. <laughs> anyway, so we meet Evelyn and Evelyn turns out to be Lucy Lawless. And so yeah, in this scene, uh, she explains that she and her husband are split up, but still technically married. And the dad, Doug, is an abusive asshole who like took the kid and ran. Mm-hmm. And because they're still married, the police can't do anything about it. Because police can't do anything. And she kind of cries a lot. Mm-hmm. And Michael just gets, like, pissed. Like, he explains in the voiceover, like, you shouldn't do jobs that are hit close to home. And since he had an abusive dad, like, he really, like, feels like, er, I gotta help this woman. Mm-hmm. And also, she's crying. Yeah, dad issues compel you. I will say, so, like, I've seen this episode in the past year, uh-huh. but I did a little bit forget the it's, sort of turn. Yeah. And so, like, as I was watching the scene, I'm like, man, this is not Lucy Lawless. Right. This is I, such a, like, misuse of Lucy Lawless. I had that same thought. I, I made a note <laughs> right here saying that thing, like, oh, we're wasting Lucy Lawless. And I, and I was trying to figure out why are we having Lucy Lawless do this? Mm-hmm. And for a while I thought, oh, because the whole point is that it has to be like an attractive enough woman to make Michael Weston care and yeah, Fiona care uh, feed jealous or yeah. whatever. And the whole point is that like, it's gotta be like a big name so that we buy that like Michael Weston is like very attractive to this woman. Cause this is like someone we've all decided is attractive. Sure. And I thought like that was the bit and it mm-hmm. turns out it's not that, Mm-mm. but we'll it's, get it's much better. The only good thing about this the episode only is, good Lucy, thing about, is Lucy Lawless. Is Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless elevates everything that she's in. Would you consider her to be Lucy Flawless? Yeah. She woke up like that. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Um, no, she elevates everything that she's in. She is also just too good for this show. Oh my God. So much better than this show. So then we go to Madeline's house. Yeah, we go to Madeline's house. Michael, First time we've seen Madeline in a while. And uh, at least two or three episodes. Um, I believe she says, well, she says a couple of weeks because like we go to Madeline's house and Madeline immediately complains that she hasn't been on the show. Sorry. Michael hasn't come to visit <laughs> in a few weeks. Yeah. I will uh, say, I like the shot, the first sort of shot in the mom's house, where it's basically from the perspective of the back of the cabinet. And yeah. there, it's just this long, the, yeah. continuous shot. There's no cut-ins until pretty far into it. While, like, Michael... Because he's trying to get his birth certificate from her. For some reason, even though he's getting a fake identity, why does well, he need his actual birth certificate? He explains in the spy voiceover that it's much easier to alter the past than create it whole hog so oh, whatever i wasn't paying attention it wasn't my episode to take notes on but but i will say that like i really i mean this show especially the these two episodes i noticed it more than more than ever uh does sometimes do a really good job of continuous shots which mm-hmm. i really appreciate because most shows like this and 
this show itself tends to over edit things mm-hmm. and um and really that that like the only person that that really hurts is the actors because you really yeah. don't get the natural sort of pacing and chemistry. Yeah. But this was a really good example of just like these two characters interacting and the mom yeah. is smoking and blowing it into his face. And it's face. a good frame too. It's just a really, like nice, that really frame. nice kind of yeah because it's uh, he's looking through a closet and it's shot from outside the closet yeah or from inside the closet looking out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's really good. Scene. I also think it's one of the more well written scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like it might be my favorite Michael and Madeline scene I up would to agree. this point. Just, um, well, it was just so organic because we let the actors just play in the space together yeah. and it didn't feel over-encumbered by, you know, 18 new shots to like, oh, look at this angle that we can do. Oh, Dutch angle because they're off-center. Like, they just let it happen. Yeah. And I really, really appreciated that. No, and it also, it feels, this show has like a weird relationship with how it depicts trauma and abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which I think we've talked about a little bit before. Yeah, and... Just the way that Madeline sort of was during that and, like, how the show sort of deals with the fact that, like, the dad was abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mom never left. Exactly, and all this stuff, and it feels weird. But, like, this scene is about that, where, like, Michael asks, like, did you ever think about leaving? And she's very honest about it. And, like, this scene is very well written, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really thought that it handled it better than the show has handled up handled it up to this point. And that, I know that's th- and that's thematically part of this episode. And sure. so but it does feel sort of organic within the scene and mm-hmm. in the episode and doesn't feel like it's going for like it's trying to earn points or anything. Sure. It just it, it just feels honest. It does. And so I did really enjoy that. Um, then at the apartment, Sam tells Michael uh, that it's likely that Doug is still in town and possibly has links to organized crime because the company that he works at is being investigated for, like, smuggling and organized crime. Um, and then Michael gets weird and says that he needs to talk to Evelyn again. I'm going to say Evelyn every time now. And I'm going to do it on purpose. And I'm going to look you right in the eyes each time <laughs> I talk about Evelyn. Daddy likes the eye contact. <laughs> you can't deter me. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um... After uh, Michael leaves, Fee asks Sam about Evelyn, and Sam gets weird and leaves, saying that he needs to buy Michael some more yogurt, because you know how he gets when he's out of yogurt. Because, <laughs> yes, Fee is worried about this Evelyn, who is encroaching on her man. Anyway. So, what if I pretend to climax every time you say Evelyn? So Michael meets with Evelyn at the beach <laughs> and tells her about how his work about how Doug's work is being investigated for organized crime. Worth noting that even within, even like within the episode, everyone's like, why do you need to update her right now? No, yeah. This is completely unnecessary. Yeah, no, this is unnecessary. You just want to see Lucy Lawless again. It's also very confusing. I don't know if I said this five minutes ago when we were talking about uh, Lucy, the character. It's very confusing to me that we have Lucy, the character, and Lucy, the actor, in the same episode. Mm -hmm. Because um, Lucy Lawless is so obviously Lucy Lawless that you just want to call her Lucy Lawless. Mm-hmm. Which is also a weird like decision to bring Lucy the character back into the show at this point. Exactly. It's all very weird. Why is Lucy there? Because someone was talking to Lucy Lawless and was like, Lucy, we have a Lucy! <laughs> oh, that we need fun? Oh, we promised Lucy two episodes. Fuck. Okay, she's in this one. I. That's exactly what happened. Sure, that's sure, sure. canon. Uh, so yeah, he goes and meets Evelyn again. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's the climax. 
It's one of them. <laughs> anyway, they both talk about leaving abusive situations and how Michael has to stay detached on these jobs, um, even if there's a spark. Well, Evelyn specifically asks him, like, well, you know, if you're staying detached, what happens if you meet someone? Yeah. There's a spark. Exactly. And it's like, you've met this nothing man once. He's Maybe chill. They just act all romantic and lovey-dovey eyes and what have you. Which is crazy to me because Michael has been flirted with by women before. Gar- like, granted, not bonding over daddy issues but like he's been flirted with before and also he and fee seem like they're kind of moving in a direction even if he doesn't want to you know dtr like it does seem bizarre to me that he would just like fully go all in on this like sad woman with her son counterpoint lucy lawless granted continue yes also like he's about to leave i think it's sort of plausible that he's in a very specific emotional stew right now Sure. Yes. That That's I, what I think of when I think of Jeffrey Donovan. Emotional <laughs> stew. Emotional stew. That I kind of buy it enough that this episode works. It's a little convenient, but I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right. Continue. But watch yourself, counselor. Anyways, so Sam and Michael break into Doug's place and find it mostly empty. There's not a whole lot there. Um, Sam sits around and like goes through magazines. <laughs> There's a moment in the scene where Sam asks Michael what his favorite meat is, because that's, if I can tell you what kind of mate you should have. And M- Michael dodges the question. Tell us, Matt Nix, what is Michael's favorite meat? <laughs> What's the meat, Weston? You know you have it. What is it? Yuck. Um, but then some gun guys show up and they got to get out in a hurry. They escape by kicking out an AC unit and going through there. Mm-hmm. Gun guys with their crime guns. Gun guys with their crime guns. Doing a crime. Doing a crime. So Fee and Michael meet with Evelyn because she's called Michael suddenly saying that, like, there's an emergency and things have gotten worse. I haven't seen you in 15 minutes. Please come back. And Michael arrives and she has a black eye and... It's implied. It's implied. I mean, kind of... No, no, it's implied the next part. I I was like... I was trying to play with you in this space. I was trying to give you a, like, oh. segue. It's oh, so they, like, no, she has a, like, it's not just in black. Yeah, yeah. They're, the, like, they just, they only shoot from behind. She's, like, in half shadow. Exactly. <laughs> no, it is implied that the black eye is from the crime guys. Exactly. Well, they, actually, it's in, it's inferred mm-hmm. by Michael, Michael and Sam. Like, Michael's, like, it's probably those same guys. They were crime guys. Exactly. Guns. Crime guns, I would say. Yes. Uh, she implied it. They inferred it. Sure. Uh, anyway. Um, Sherlock Holmes doesn't actually do deductive reasoning. He doesn't the kind of bu- Yeah, exactly. This is the kind of bullshit that I'm getting from you right now, and I do not appreciate it. <laughs> this is the kind of bullshit that I live in. <laughs> but yeah, they figure it's the same guys. Evelyn cries again. She cries a lot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I do, for watching this, I did feel like, man, we're really wasting Lucy Lawless, A, and B... I feel like Lucy Lawless is not as good at this crying thing as she probably should be. Like, this mm-hmm. feels fake. Yeah, no, it definitely... I mean, and maybe that's, like, how good she is. is. She is playing someone who's fake crying. Yeah. Which I'll allow because it's Lucy Lawless. Exactly. But I had the same thought as well. Because at this point in the episode, I remembered what the twist was. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is a whole thing. But yeah, yeah I agree. Like, she's not great at it. It's yeah. not very compelling. And Lucy Lawless is not someone I would describe as not compelling. Exactly. But yeah, and so she cries again, and Fee is very catty about it, which is kind of awful. I mean, like, and it turns out that Fee is right. 
sure. to be catty. Sure. But, like, theoretically, this is a, an abused woman whose, like, child has been stolen by her abuser. And, she, yeah, she's sad about it. Like, this is not, like, the she, time. But she was sad about it near Michael. Yeah. How dare she? But yeah, this pitting, you, you, you have a note about pitting women against each other is garbage. And it yeah. is. It sucks. It it's does. bad. Yeah. Also, uh, I kind of feel like Fee as a character doesn't make sense as a monogamist. And I feel like Fee would 100% be down for like threesomes. Like I think Fee would enjoy the sort of like power dynamics of getting to like. It depends be on. Be partners. I could see Fee. Give me a polyamorous Fee. I mean, that could work. It does seem to be. That a big part, again, a big part of V is that she's into Michael or whatever. But um, it does sort of seem that like V might actually not be super confident in relationships. And I feel like it could be a thing, especially since Michael like ran off one time, that she's like very nervous about getting Michael back and won't feel more comfortable until like things are settled. If like she felt comfortable in their relationship, and then, like, didn't feel like he was going to run off. Then, That's like, true. she might be more into just, like, yeah, let's have a third or a fourth or a fifth. Uh, <laughs> Hell, let's invite Sam. <laughs> we've, we've pretended to do it so many times. Might as well see what it's like. <laughs> this will they, won't they thing isn't yeah. going to last much longer. Exactly. Because I think um, we both know we will. But, yeah, it just, it feels really shitty to have this woman just be really shitty to this other woman. Mm -hmm. Like, Fee is one of the only people on this show who's been, like, consistently empathetic towards their, like, victims. Exactly. So, just to make her this way feels bad. And then, later, in the, they get in the car, um, Fee and Michael, and then she just, like, quits, basically. She's like, I'm not doing this case anymore, because you're being all lovey-dovey. You've got your big hard eyes. Can't lose. Bad. Very bad. Bad job. Bad, bad job. <laughs> anyway, so Sam meets with Michael and explains that he's a genius because he's figured out that since Doug had a lot of outdoorsy magazines. Callback. Was it one of the outdoorsy magazines that had a quiz about, like, what food you eat? That's like the man's so, version of Cosmo magazine. Exactly. So you're a man and uh, you want to find a woman. You got to know what kind of eat meat you eat. What kind of eating you meet? Okay. <laughs> if, if you want a girl to meet, you gotta know your meat and eat your meat. Don't eat women, though, please. We've had some, uh, our lawyers had us put in a you cannot a asterisk. Please do not eat the women. We you, have had we have been burned before. Like these great great steaks. How do you like your steak cooked? That tells you what kind of man you are. That tells you what kind of man you like. I mean, no, men don't like other men. That's, that's, no. Venison is redhead. <laughs> anyway, so this is an outdoorsy guy. So he's probably in the woods somewhere. Even and, though it's Miami? Yeah. Are there woods in Miami? Well, it's the south. Um, well, when they eventually find that, it's kind of, it's on a beach. So yeah, he's like, just like on a beach. But it's like beach next to trees. Um, anyway. That's, that's what's called a Florida forest. <laughs> exactly. And... Uh, he explains that he got in touch with some parks guys and found out that his that Doug's license plate was cited going into this natural this national forest or something, a uh, national park. You know that's what parks are. Somebody uh, saw this man exactly so at a place, and he's probably still at 
the that place. place. <laughs> um, but Sam can't go with Michael because he's gotta go. He's gonna go swimming with dolphins um, and Boca with Veronica. How far away is Boca from Miami? I don't know. Because the way, like he, because we see Sam again, so it's not like he's that far away, I guess. But also, like Boca feels like somewhere that's like remote and far away. I mean, it's not that far. It's just like where is Boca? Is I it don't... in Florida? Yes, it's in Florida. Ah. No, it's not like another country or anything. It's just like, it's Boca Raton. And you can swim with dolphins there. Um, well, I'm sure someone will answer this question eventually. Yeah, could be. Anyway, so uh, Michael meets up with Evelyn and she's over the moon. She kisses him on the lips. And I write that specifically, she kisses him on the lips because he does nothing. Yeah, he it's just like, stands there. He stands there. She jumps up, kisses him on the lips. Um, very suddenly, like a child would. And he, like a mannequin would. Does yeah. nothing. Like a wooden mannequin. <laughs> this is a really a story about a child in love with a mannequin. <laughs> Horrible. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, she kisses him on the lips and they get in the car to go find Doug. Um, he also like pulls out his gun and she's like, oh, and, you have a gun? Yeah, and he puts it in the glove compartment yeah. for some reason. Exactly. Well, it's the gun compartment. I feel like... Everyone always puts guns in glove compartments in movies. I feel like you should just keep it on him, but whatever. Like where? Like, it'd be, I imagine if you have the gun on you, it's very awkward to say. I'm just surprised that Michael Weston doesn't have like a holster like that goes under his like arms. Ar- his armpit? Yeah. That's like a very like FBI type thing. I mean, only the FBI can get gun yes, holsters that are convenient only the for FBI driving. can right. get gun holsters. All like right. those those aren't cool. And Michael is cool. You know what's cool? A billion gun holsters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's asking about the gun, like, are you going to use that? And he's like, don't worry about it, baby. <laughs> he doesn't say baby, but I wish he would. <laughs> yeah. That is the tenor of his response. Yep. So they arrive at Doug's cabin on a beach by some trees. And Michael takes the gun out and tells Evelyn to wait in the car. Uh... Christ. People are going to masturbate to this episode. You think they haven't been masturbating up until this point? You naive, naive boy. <laughs> this is true. So uh, Michael draws a gun on Doug, and Doug like breaks down and says, You already killed my wife. I would say like at the beginning of the scene, I realized the twist. And um, and I do really like the way that this this is shot, because like Doug freaks out and says, like, You already killed my wife. And then Michael figures out um, what's about to happen. And then as he's figuring this out, you can just see... Uh, Lucy Lawless behind him out of focus just in the edge of the screen and I like how much the shot does not call attention to her but you definitely see her mm-hmm. um, and then Michael realizes just almost too late that um, Evelyn is not a sad scared mother but in fact an assassin who is trying to kill Doug mm-hmm. and immediately Doug becomes the client I, there's a very nice bit where um, he gets a new lower third and says, Doug, the new client, and then Evelyn gets a new lower third that's like, Ah! Christ! (laughs) The assassin. (laughs) Oh, that's too much. Well, hey, maybe you should think about your choices. (laughs) That one was not even intentional. That was like, (laughs) oh my God. And so he he and Doug just like run into the fucking Cabin. cabin, and now Doug is the client. Luckily, the child is not here. He's been sent away yes. to some undisclosed friend's location. Exactly. The child, so don't, we never see the child. Yeah, don't worry about the child. I was very worried about the child. Not, like, for the child's safety, but that we were going to have to walk, watch a child act. 
There's okay, and we and we'd have to see Daddy Daddy Michael come back yeah. out. And also, and I, I hate to be this person, but I at the very beginning of the episode, we're shown a, a picture of the child, and I was automatically like, that child can't act. <laughs> I just looked at that child. I was like, that's not a child who can act. I mean, that sounds mean, but look at the child and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, so now Evelyn's, like, shooting at Michael and Doug in the cabin, and Michael realizes that Evelyn has uh, fucked with his gun and taken out the, um, I believe it is called the, oh, fuck. It's in the, my other notes, but it's like the, she's taken apart a spring out of the gun, and now the gun can't fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Michael fixes the gun using the bobby pin mm-hmm. that Fiona gave him. Callback number two. Callback number two. And I want to talk for a second about symbolically what's happening sure. in this moment. You haven't read my notes. I have not. So let's talk about symbolically what's going on here. So Evelyn, the bad woman. <laughs> Evelyn, the bad woman. <laughs> Evelyn, the bad woman. <laughs> renders Michael's manhood, which is to say his gun, which is to say his penis, impotent. The only way that Michael can fix it, which is to say regain his manhood, which is to say repair his gun, which is to say his penis, um, which is shooting blanks, is with the help of Fiona's bobby pin, which is a symbol of her femininity. Fiona's good feminine energy defeats Evelyn's bad feminine energy and allows Michael to function again as a man, which means shooting guns and blowing shit up. That is what is happening symbolically in this scene. You know what? What? I know I screamed orgasm twice at the beginning of that. That was a fucking good, like, symbolism breakdown. That my is like, dude. That is like my, like, high school English class read of that scene. Um, and the symbolism of that. It's far more sophisticated than Maddie Nix intended. <laughs> However. Yes. I mean, there is a thing, though, of just, like, like, Fiona saves the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so he has, he fixes the gun and it's good for one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which he's not going to shoot her. What he does instead is rig up a, a propane tank a propane tank with um, a fucking aerosol can and he set, like that starts a fire going and he throws the propane tank at her and the charger because they came in the charger. And so she's driving the charger and it sounds like she's going to like run it into the side of the cabin. Exactly. So he throws this exploding propane tank at the charger Fixing the charger that he... Bre- breaking the charger that he just fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and throwing her off guard long enough so that they can get in Doug's Jeep and escape. Mm-hmm. And then we do get this shot that I believe... Is it going to be the shot? Yeah. that? Oh, yeah. It's 100% going to be yeah, the, pro- this the, shot the shot that we use in the promo image for this week's episode. Of just Lucy Lawless... Like, standing in front of, like, the burning charger, gun in hand, like, with her hair all messed up. Like, and this is why you have Lucy Lawless. Because, again, it turns out she's the bad guy and she's an assassin. Mm -hmm. And this is the most sexually charged image that I have ever seen on Burn Notice. I think I need to put it away, actually. I don't think I can handle it being there while we talk about this episode. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's an extremely good image. Yes. But, yeah, so in Doug's Jeep, Doug explains that he had realized that the guys that he worked for were smuggling stuff into the country. And then the FBI showed up at his door and then told him uh, that he should testify. And he told him that he would consider testifying. And after that, the mob guys began harassing him at, up to the point of, like, killing his wife. His actual wife. His actual real wife. He does have a wife. Mm-hmm. Well, not anymore. He had a wife. 
she's not real. But I bet Fiona would have been much nicer to her. Yes. But, like, his wife, they killed and made it look like an accident. Mm-hmm. At which point he sent his son Jasper out of town. Um, the son's name is Jasper. It doesn't matter. It's not important. We never see him, but he's a terrible actor. Uh, <laughs> Chris has got an eye for this sort of thing. An eye for this sort of thing. Um, and so that's what's going on with him. And then Fee and Sam arrive to pick them up. And Fee is full of just, like, I told you so. Mm-hmm. I told you so. So it turns out this woman's evil, huh? How about that? And you were super into her. And you thought that she was super nice. And she and wasn't. she shared your daddy issues exactly. And then Michael's very like upset about it, and he's just like, "I need your help." And so Fee is back on board, and Sam realizes that uh, Evelyn is probably going to go after Lucy because Lucy is a loose end that set him up with set uh, Michael up with her. So that's where she's going to go next. So would you would you say she's a loose end? So Fee takes Doug to a safe hiding place, a.k.a. the apartment. Yeah. Um, and Sam and Michael go to save Lucy. If it was Michael, like, he wouldn't be able to take care of himself in the situation. And it's not like she was trained by Michael or anything. <sighs> it's just like, an episode with Lucy Lawless looking like that, mm-hmm. the, women el- the other women in this episode deserved better. Yes. They deserve to be, like, you know... A rising tide lifts all boats. But as you explained, uh, Big Daddy Nicks can only write one female character. And this week, it's Evelyn. Yeah. And so all the other female characters that have to be there for some reason mm-hmm. must suffer and lose that energy because it all goes into Lucy Lawless. Yeah. If there were two, like, competent women in one episode, then the whole thing breaks down. Yeah. Anyway, so Sam and Michael arrive at this place where Lucy is supposed to meet someone for a meeting. And Evelyn calls Michael on the phone because she's there, too. And she's sitting, like, at a fucking outdoor, like, cafe or something. And she calls him over, and they have a whole talk. And Evelyn explains that she knows who Michael is because when he was a spy, because he used to be a spy, I don't know if you know. um, Michael used to be a spy, and at one point uh, he almost caught her. Like, she was killing people, and he was trying to catch her, but in Istanbul, not Constantinople. And he didn't quite catch her. and But he she took an interest in him after that. Um, so she's been following him ever since. And then now that he's been burned, it's easier to find out even more about him. And since she was in Miami to do a job, she thought, why not? Because she, like all other women, is kind of obsessed with Michael Weston. Which, can I say, this is the only episode that she does. And I'm so sad because she could have been recurring. Like, this is a really great setup for an antagonist for Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a sexy antagonist. Yeah. Where like she's in the way, but you could definitely tell that at some point they would become like reluctant allies, but she would be like, she's like Catwoman. Yeah, she's like Catwoman or like Spike or something. Yeah. Yeah, like that's what she could have been on this show. Like, yeah. Um, and because she has this history where she's kind of crazy, but she's also a little bit obsessed with Michael. Like there's a lot that you can do with that. This scene is my favorite scene in the episode. Because she is, like, fucking killing it. She's just... It's all exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is so good at selling the exposition. This is the scene that really proves how much better she is than everyone else in the cast. Because it's not an easy scene to do. Mm-hmm. It's just her doing exposition. And she, like, fucking kills it. Yeah. Um, and she's in, like, a nice, like, fucking suit and her hair back and stuff. She looks great. And she's really fucking selling it. Mm-hmm. Um, she just wants to know where Doug is. Uh, and she really just wants to toy with Michael Weston, too. Mm-hmm. And he's not giving Doug up. And then she points out, oh, here comes Lucy. Oh, uh, be a shame if someone was about to kill her. 
And so uh, Michael, like, runs because a car is about to run over Lucy. And, and Lucy didn't learn in kindergarten to watch both sides of the street. Yeah. Uh, These millennials and their cell phones. Exactly. Just buried in her work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then uh, Evelyn walks away. Luckily, White Knight saves Lucy. Exactly. Other Lucy. Yeah. But yeah, while Lucy Lawless walks away. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why she plays bad guys? Because she, she's lawless? So they take Lucy back to her fucking office and... Where there are no cars. Where there are no cars. And she's got kind of like a, a scrape on her elbow. And so things are bad for her. She's got a boo-boo. And uh, Lucy feels bad about accidentally hooking up Michael with an assassin. But Michael just like acts all carried, like caring and condescending and white knight about it. Yeah, it's very... It's like, listen... Jeffrey Donovan is a nothing man. I love him. I think he does a good job in this show. But this episode is just overwhelming with how condescending he is to women. Yes. And how condescending the writing of the women is to the women. Yeah. Other than Lucy Lawless, for the most part. And even, honestly, I will argue the end of Lucy Lawless is... 100%. It's just... It's such a shame. It's such a shame. Yeah. Um, I wish they had more than one woman in the writer's room. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure they literally just have Mayor Smith. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure, Almost certainly that's it. Yeah, and so uh, Evelyn calls Michael again, and Michael gets all huffy, and it's like, don't you hurt her. You hurt her. Don't be hurting her. Meh, meh, meh. And Chris is doing a delightful little shoulder jiggle yeah, while little, he's doing this. A little shimmy. Little, little shoulder shimmy. Yeah, a little shimmy. Somebody um, should book us for a live show and he'll get to do the shimmy in person. Exactly. It'll become a big thing at our live show shows. Mm-hmm. The shoulder shimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so Evelyn's like, yeah, no, it's fine. Lucy's safe. I won't go after her again. Like, your friends and your family, though, they're next. And then hangs up. And then Michael's really worried about his friends and his family all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, back at the apartment, the gang plots what to do next. Uh, Fee wants blood, but Michael is like, legitimately like freaked out um because she's a woman and so what's he gonna do hit her he can't do that uh the last time he hit a woman they had sex exactly <laughs> and he says the best thing to do is to turn doug over to the fbi so he can put in wit- so he can be put in witness protection he asked sam to get in touch with him and also uh sam to get in touch with the fbi and then also stay with madeline to keep madeline safe um and he asked fee to prep an armed escort and so Sam goes to Madeline's with a shotgun and explains what's going on. He gets very worried about Madeline and the shotgun. She's like, it's fine. I don't know if we're supposed to read the scene as Madeline knows about guns or Madeline doesn't know about guns. Because she explains like, oh, my husband had a shotgun, whatever. I like, I think it's supposed to be like, oh no, she knows about guns. But the way that she's holding the gun makes it seem like it could go off at any second. She's just like randomly like messing with things. And I'm like... I admittedly don't know about guns, but I feel like this gun is going to (laughs) explode. There's also this great bit in the scene where Madeline asks Sam's like, do you want a beer? And he's like, you kidding me? And he sells that line very well. And then I'm really sad that we cut away because I really want to see Sam and Madeline get drunk. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. They've never really shared much screen time together. They do eventually. I know that's be- that becomes more of a thing in future seasons. But yeah, Madeline and Sam is like golden. Exactly. Because it is a thing that uh, Bruce Campbell, bless his heart, might be closer in age to her than he is to 
uh, Michael Weston and for Fee. sure. But also that character. So Madeline is obsessed with Michael and is irritating around him because he's yeah. her son. She's kind of irritating and just like weirdly fawny over Fiona because she is Michael's girl. Yeah. But she has nothing to do with Bruce Campbell other than the fact that they're pals. Exactly. So they and I love her having a pal. Yes. It's almost like when she had a boyfriend that one time. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. also very fun. Exactly. I enjoyed that. When Madeline's allowed to be a person and not like reactive to the other characters for yeah. plot reasons, she's fantastic. So Fee and Michael um, clean guns and talk. Fee says that Michael can't let the job be all that he is. And, and they talk about Evelyn and how obviously like how much that her stuff was able to affect him because of all this stuff and how, how Fee was right about everything and all that stuff. And then Fee also really pushes Michael about going to DC. And he's like, no, you can't come with me to DC. Look how worried I am about you now. And she basically says, I can take care of myself. Which she can. Yeah, she fundamentally can. And which we, in next episode, she does. Yeah. Like a really good job. Exactly. Fiona's and, a survivor. Fuck you, Michael Weston. She exactly. does not need... Once again, Michael Weston can't imagine a woman being safe without him. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, she also takes the bobby pen back, puts it in her hair, reclaims her femininity. Um, and that is the saga of the bobby pen. Anyway, um, so they suit up Doug in a bulletproof vest and head out. And Evelyn sets, sets up on a rooftop with a sniper rifle. And then Michael finds her on the rooftop and stops her because he remembers that this is her MO from Istanbul, not Constantinople. He says that he's turning her in, but she says that she has too many enemies and she wouldn't last long in jail. And then she has this moment where she asks, like, do you think maybe we could have, like, worked in another universe? Which doesn't make any sense based on the assassin turn of her character. No. Here's the thing that's very confusing to me about this moment. Um... And, well, anyway, she says this. They talk a little bit. Like, she says, do you think that we could have worked? And he's like, no fucking way. You're a bad, bad woman. And I couldn't fuck bad guys. Whatever. And then, like, after he says that, not necessarily because he said that, but just because she doesn't want to go to jail, she throws herself off the building and then kills herself. Which is crazy. Crazy. Can we break down this fucking ending? Yes. What the fuck? First of all, I don't buy that she would have asked him that question. Here's my thing. It's, Here's what I'm trying to figure out about this moment. Is because she starts to like kind of get teary, teary again. And I can't tell if... She's trying is, to play him. Yeah, if this is genuine or one last attempt to play him. I don't think that it is because she doesn't try very hard at all. Well, yeah, I I think it's a gambit. And she doesn't think it's going to work. I, like, I don't think that the writing of women in this episode is sophisticated enough for that to be the case. I don't think so either. But like, that's the version of... That's, that's the headcanon you're going with. Exactly. Plus also, because if it's genuine, the crying's not very good in this scene either. And it just means that maybe Lucy Lawless isn't so flawless. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> if she's not that good at crying, and yeah. maybe it's just a thing that she's bad at. Because it does also feel kind of fake when she gets kind of teary here. But it feels like the same kind of fake that the other scenes do. And so it's possible that she's trying to, like, one more time play him. And, like, that's a thing that happens a lot with these kind of characters. Sure. But, like, the way that the rest of that scene is played doesn't... No, it doesn't. It doesn't support that theory. No. But the other thing is that, like, it's one guy on a roof who has proven to be a sucker. Yeah. Don't kill yourself! Escape! Yeah. Everything we've learned about this woman up to this point is that, like, she absolutely can escape from this situation. She has a sniper rifle in her hands. 
either shoot him or throw the weapon at him and then like you yeah know, there's so many ways there's so many ways i could have escaped in that situation exactly like it just felt unnecessary i will say if they had wanted to bring her back there is some foley work that make it really sound like she splats when she hits the ground well but she's also zip tied she's zip tied so it's yeah. like it would have been hard for her to like grab on to anything anyway exactly it but just, it's such a fucking but i will say wasted shitty ending moment for this like i will absolutely say, kick-ass woman Jumping off the roof of a building seems very survivable in Burn Notice. Like, at this point, we've already had, like, two or three people. But she doesn't jump off. She, like, rolls off She does. Like, like, the implication... No, she's definitely dead. She's dead. And that sucks. It sucks so bad. It's such a terrible ending for her. It's, yeah. Even a, like, you know, as she's getting walked to the police and, like, she, like, winks at him charismatically. Like, anything that would have allowed her any amount of power. Exactly. But she can't have power because Michael Weston outsmarted her. Exactly. You can't have power if you're a woman on this show. So you might as well die. Yeah, unless you, like, genuinely love Michael. All power emanates from Michael and his penis. Mm -hmm. And a little bit from the balls. Yeah. More than you'd think. Yeah. (laughs) The amount that comes from his balls might surprise you. Exactly. Yeah, I know no, it she, sucks. I fucking yeah. hate this ending. I'm no, so su- upset. No, and even if they had never brought her back, yeah, just leaving her open to do her own shit, you could have spun off this character. Anything. I mean, I don't know what she was doing at this point. I don't either. 2007. She did some episodes of Battlestar, but that would have been before this. Yeah, definitely would have been before uh, this, because that would have overlapped with uh, season two character, Carla. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what she was doing at this point in time. But and, yeah. like, again, she's better than this show, as we've said multiple times. But, like, the problem isn't that she never comes back, even though that's, like, a problem just overall. Exactly. But The like, problem is, is that this is a shitty way to end that character. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's honestly, like, kind of offensive. It really is. Like, yeah, that she cannot exist in this world that she has to be stopped. Her, like, it's... No, it's really kind of gross. Yeah, it's really gross. And so next scene, Michael meets with Lucy again, who... Ex- who ties up every loose end mm-hmm. for all the plots, even plots that maybe she shouldn't have that like knowledge of. She has too much power. That's why she never appears on the show ever again. Exactly. Uh, she explains that the FBI has files and files on Evelyn and that she was, quote, a very, very bad girl. Well, good thing she killed herself then. Fuck you, Matt Nix. Uh, Lucy also says that Doug and his son are safe under witness protection and then gives Michael a picture of Doug and his son. And it's very, on the back it says, thank you. And it's very cute. And that child cannot act. Then she gives uh, gives him his new ID papers, and then also also offers to reimburse him for the ch- uh, charger for all the repairs on the charger. But he says he doesn't need to repair the charger because he won't be in Miami much longer. And then Lucy asks if she'll ever see Michael again. He's like, maybe, but no, she won't. She's Mm-mm. gone. She she probably throws herself off a building when exactly. she realizes that she's she, not in Michael Wilson's life anymore. Yeah, she immediately walks from this scene to the top of a building, or just walks into traffic the way that she was meant to go. <laughs> exactly, it's like that episode of Doctor Who. Um, with Rose's dad. Then Sam arrives and then says that Michael might not need the ID because Philip Cowan is coming to Miami from D.C., which is kind of annoying because we went through this whole episode doing this ID shit, and it's very frustrating to me that he's not going to use it. <laughs> and that, like, just for me personally, like, it, I hate the wasted energy that was spent on this, just in general. Like, yeah. also... Because of this, Evelyn died for nothing. All of them. Like, this whole episode is frustrating largely because, like, none of it comes to anything. Like, it's just a bunch of wasted effort. Wasted introduction to an amazing character. Wasted exit for an amazing character. Wasted efforts getting this stupid ID. 
a wasted exit for a terrible character. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, like, a waste of an episode. And it, it's such a shame because, like, the con- like the case of the week isn't bad. Like, no. I like the structure of the case of exactly. the week. That's and, like, interesting. The twist is cool. And, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's something, like, thematic about dealing with, like, the way that, like, he can get played by his sort of white knightish sort of tendencies. And I think yeah, exactly. there's something there, but, like, this is not the way to do that at yeah, all. Yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, so my, Philip Cowan is coming to Miami. And then we get this fucking push-in. Uh, like, he puts his sunglasses on, and then, like, the camera, not even, like, zooms, but, like, they physically move this camera closer to Michael's face. They push in, and he, like, smiles in a weird way. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's very strange. This, fuck this episode. Oh, God. Let's talk about spy tips. Let's I want to rate this episode so I can tell it that it's a potty fucking shit hell. All right. All right, let's talk about spy tips. Okay, spy tip one. Uh, spies call a fake identity a false flag, which, do they... Maybe Michael Wilson told them this. I don't... That... Michael Wilson is there. Because in my experience, a false flag is a different thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe there's like a social justice false flag definition and a spy definition. Well, I mean, it's sort of the general... Like, because like false flag is like not necessarily just any fake identity, but like like a false flag, you're flying the flag of another country and like you're pretending... It's sort of a fake identity, but it feels a lot more... Specific to me, and I, mean, I, I don't know. But you I'm don't not know. A spy. You're not a spy. But I'm not a spy, so I don't know. You can't fake your own papers anymore because of magnetic strips and foil embossing, and so you need to go to a pro. This is a nothing tip. This is a nothing tip. In some situations, a tactical retreat is your best bet. A guy with a gun is a guy with a gun. You can fight him or risk getting shot. Fight him and risk getting shot, or wait for backup. This is also nothing. Yeah, this is nothing. And it also like feels like very confused. It feels like. T- Two or three? I don't even know what's going on if that's how that information sort of, like, follows from it. It's nothing. Yeah, it's, it, it was it was bad in the scene. It's bad as a tip. Yeah. Corporations need spies just like governments do, except they're called security consultants, and they're basically mercenaries in nice suits. That's nothing. Yep. In spy school, they teach you to avoid cases that cut too close. If you have daddy issues... You should avoid daddy issues jobs. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you took that down verbatim. Yes. Again, nothing. Yeah, not really. That's just um, sort of like general advice. Facts are the hallmark of a good false identity. It's easier to alter the truth than create it. And the more truth to your identity, the easier it is to remember it. I'll give it that. Yeah, I will give it that. Yeah. This next one. No doors or windows doesn't mean no exit. Look for an AC unit. The wall is weaker there and no one is watching for someone to escape through the AC unit. That is also very useful. Yeah, it's useful. I mean, not in New York, since AC units are just in windows. windows. Yeah. And are mostly, like, bolted to the wall. But also, like, I feel like not every place... Some places have central air, and it's also not... In the very specific instance in which they have a AC unit mounted into the wall itself, which may be very common in Florida. Yeah, who knows? Um, if it's common in California, I'll let you know. Um, but yeah, in that case, I might have to use it at some point, so I'm glad... I know this tip. Anyway, a basic rule of covert ops is to let someone else do the dirty work. Let someone else find the person that you want to kill. That's, no. No. Eight, remove the trigger. I haven't said um, any numbers for these, So, but this one's number eight. That's the only one you get a number for. I, you number, have a tendency to do this where you'll start to number things and then you'll just stop and then you'll start again and it's awful. Who cares? It's awful to edit. <laughs> who gives a shit? Anyway. Me, the person who edits. The, um, eight. Remove the trigger bar spring from a Sig Sauer P228, and then you've got a 9mm semi-automatic doorstop, which is very 
helpful if I ever need a 9mm semi-automatic doorstop. I always feel weird when people talk about specific makes of guns. That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Why? I don't. It's because like it's the fetishization of guns that I don't like. I mean, it's a spy show. It's a spy show, but like it's like the name of the game, but no. But I mean, it's it's written to make Fiona horny. Exactly, but that's the thing is that I don't like that. I don't like the idea of like getting horny over guns. I, is this a good tip? It's very specific. But do we actually know where the trigger bar spring would be for us to remove it? I mean, you can sort of not. You can kind of see him trying to put it. Not really. Not really. It's just he's just sort of shoving something in the gun. If I Googled that, it would probably lead me to this episode. It's probably true. Uh, No. Fuck this episode. No, yeah. um, Yeah, I'm not going to give it. I'm not giving it to it. Fuck this episode. All right. Anyway, uh, shoot a propane tank and you'll just get a cloud of gas. Need an open flame. And a real good aim. Do you need a really good aim? Like, I mean, in the specific situation in which you were hurling it in the air. I mean, yes, but also, like, have you ever shot a gun? Do you know how easy it is to aim at a thing, moving or not? I mean, that's fair. But that's but, also not practical. Like, uh, hey, be good with guns if you're going to be a spy, asshole. Well, I mean, like, I think the practical bit is that you can't just shoot a propane tank and expect anything to happen. Like, expect it to blow up. I guess that's fair. Um, which I might have thought. Assassination is 1% shooting and 99% preparation. This is also tip number 10. No, 8 is the only one that gets a number. <laughs> oh, and 1 and 2 got numbers too. No, I did not. I did not say 1 and 2. I literally only said 8. You're the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> Assassination is 1% shooting and 99% preparation. The best opportunity is when the target is on the move. There are always ways to lessen the risk, like having an armed escort, uh, taking unpredictable routes, and having a tail car. But the assassin still has the upper hand. If it knows where, if, if they know where you're ending up. Yeah. That, if, they, that, that. If, you know, if they know where you're ending up, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, was, that was sort of the... I think there's enough specifics in there that feel like feel sort of useful i mean in this admittedly unlikely scenario yeah but we've already had the unpredictable roots tip from another spy tip like if you don't want to get followed yeah you take an unpredictable route turn right and left at weird places having an armed escort is just if you want someone to not get shot have people around them with guns Yeah, yeah that's nothing all right and then the next one it's impossible to stop a good assassin from finding a good opening and taking a shot the best you can do is control where the opening is and sometimes that's enough. I like having a spy tip that ends with, and sometimes that's enough. That makes me really feel like it's a useful tip. Yeah, this is vague and bullshit. Yes. So uh, there are only three practical ones that we have, and maybe a fourth. Maybe a fourth. But regardless. Definitely not five. Definitely not five. All right, so speaking One of them was number eight. Or, well, one of the tips is number eight. I don't know if, if I do not remember if number eight was a good one. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It sure wasn't. We no. talked about it for a little bit, but fuck this episode. Yeah, exactly. All right, so speaking of fuck this episode, how do we rate this episode, Chris? All right. Is it a great episode of television? No, it's not. Fuck no. No. So it's an episode of television. Exactly. Now, is it a great episode of Burn Notice? Also no. All right. Well, I, mean, I mean, we can go through it, but it's not going to be. No, it's not going to so be. Does but he, we, we should go through it. Does he use spycraft over violence to solve the weekly case? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Can you harmonize? Uh, why would you go low? Fuck you. Uh, no, I'm going low. I did go. I was going high. You started low. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what is he when actually you go low, doing? I go high. 
Um, what does he actually do to solve this case? It's mostly just he has conversations with Lucy Lawless, and then he goes and does one thing. Exactly. It's very, he's very reactive the whole time. So I don't think he... Even once he knows that Lucy Lawless is a bad guy, the no, only he... thing they really do is they take him, the guy to the FBI. That's it. Yeah, no. I don't think he does anything in this episode. Yeah, it's so, a very passive episode for Michael Weston. Exactly. So yeah, he, he, I, don't, I don't even want to give him spycraft. Yeah. Um, and Bruce Campbell does more spycraft because he uses the Outdoorsman magazines to true. make a connection about the guy. That's... Sherlock Holmes inductive reasoning. Okay, fuck off. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we already said spy tips. There aren't any. Yeah, so no so, alias. So, so tenant number two. Are there more practical spy tips, or are are there at least five practical spy tips in the spy voiceover? No, no. Uh, so this episode has already failed because already you need failed. at least three of these four things exactly laid out. He doesn't do an alias. Yep, no distinct alias. And Fee and Sam kind of suck in this episode. Yeah, they don't really do anything yeah. particularly exciting. Fee is like bad. Yeah, well, and, and Michael keeps both of them kind of at arm's length. Exactly. And then, uh, Sam goes to Boko. Exactly. <laughs> this is all This is all a showcase for Lucy Lawless that really bites, bites in at the ending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's the only good thing about this episode. Yeah, it's true. This is a bad episode. Yeah. This is one of my least favorites of the season. Yeah. And we have disliked a lot of episodes. I will say it does feel, again, I kind of, I don't know if I talked about this last week, about how the bad episodes now feel way more comp- competent than sure. the bad episodes of the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, this is just a service of like, these are bad writers. No. <laughs> who treated their characters poorly. Like, I think I would watch this before I would watch Fight or Flight. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. 100%. I will say it is impressive how much more competent they have become at making bad television than they were before. Yeah. But it's still a bad episode of film. Um, can, can we do a conspiracy theory that Matt Nix is the worst writer on the show? I feel like that happens on a lot of shows. Or, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Because it feels like the episodes that Matt Nix has written have been our least favorites. 100%. I mean, I'm holding out hope for Matt Nix to write a good Burn Notice episode, but like so far, his episodes have been real stinkers. Yeah, I don't think he's actually good at it, but I feel like it's not... He also has some pretty outdated, like, thoughts about women and gay people. 100%. And it's not great. It's not great. Anyway, but that's... This episode sucks. Yeah, this episode sucks. Fuck this episode. Uh, But thank you to Vince and E.L. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for the theme music, go to Vince's Bandcamp, vincentel.bandcamp.com, and then we will see you next week where we talk about yet another episode of Burnos. Mm-hmm. Evelyn. Uh-huh. 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 See you next week, folks.